just in time. Oh, I could hardly wait for this evening. My days are so empty. Yeah, Liebchen, I know just how you feel. I am empty too. Oh, how can you be? You have so many other pupils. Yeah, naturally. But no one who responds like you. What did we do last? Don't you remember? I am speaking about music. Ah, here? Yeah. There. Now remember? Leggero e rubato. Leggero e rubato. Leggero e rubato.
Is he left you? Huh? Do you think I'd take money from such a brute? I threw it in his face. He gave you money, and you threw it back at him. But he—he he bit me on the wrist and and kicked me. Oh, you have no idea what I've been through. And you left your husband without a settlement. I've come to you just as I am. With no settlement at all? Nothing? Nothing. Except me.
Madame Honorine. What about her? They are found uh, in the river. Oh, that is not possible. In this weather. But it is true, Maestro. I just saw her body in the morgue. In the morgue? Yes, Maestro. Bad businesswoman. Right, let's get to some of the actors here, okay? The first one, let's get to the woman playing uh, Madame Mori. She's played by Carmel Myers, and Carmel Myers, uh, her dad was friends with D.W. Griffith, so she was in Intolerance, and she was in uh, some movies with Rudolph Valentino, and she ended up being in Ben-Hur, so she was in a lot of stuff. Now, the other guy, Gecko, he's played by Luis Alberni, and, uh, and he was just in a bunch of stuff over a Uh, his time. 
got so bad he had to go into an asylum a few times. It's just, it's just real horrible to read, but uh, but he used to hang out with uh, you know W.C. Fields and Errol Flynn and and uh, John Carradine. You know, there's a real good book y'all ought to get called Hollywood's Hellfire Club uh, by Gregory William Mank and uh, Bill Nelson. It's put out by Farrell House, and it's all about how they all used to hang out together and just raise hell. But it's real interesting to read. Y'all to check it out if it sounds that way to you. Uh, a, a year or so back, I went to a thing at the silent movie theater in Los Angeles was doing something to promote the, the, the book, the Farrell House book, Hollywood Hellfire Club. And they played Sven Gulley on the big screen, and they had this one, one clip from a, someone who did an interview with, with John Barrymore. At his, he had a huge Spanish-style mansion in the Hollywood Hills, and they went to it, and they... Uh, was like out of the Adams family. He had suits of armor and it looked like a castle and he had a whole room that was just full of taxidermy. He had one whole wall which was nothing but black birds like crows and different kinds of birds that all happened to be black. They were all stuffed and they took up one whole wall. He had a bear. He had all kinds of stuff. Like I said, it was out of the Adams family and he was quite a character. He was hamming it up for the camera. He looked like a guy who would be real fun to hang around with and have a drink with. Uh, Sven Gulley and Gecko go to visit one of their artist friends and while they're there, uh, they, uh, Trilby O'Farrell, she's an artist model, she shows up and he was played by Marion Marsh. And, uh, Trilby kind of looks like a teenage Patricia Arquette, you know, who was in the David Lynch's Lost Highway or Tim Burton's Ed Wood. She's got that same kind of haircut with the bangs and everything. And she shows up and uh, Sven Gali, being the scoundrel he is, takes advantage of the moment. So let's cut to this. May I come in? Are you Mr. Taffy? No. The lad then? No. Who are you? Who are you? Me? I'm a model. I work for Durian upstairs. He sent me down for Mr. Taffy and the lad to look at. A model, huh? <laughs> for a moment, I thought you were a gendarme. Oh, I pose in these. <laughs> Gecko, wait outside. But, Maestro. So we will not miss our friends. You need a model? All the artists say I have a very classic figure. Durian, Mallow. My dear young lady, I don't doubt it. As far as I can see. Shall I show you? Well, uh... Oh, I'd be glad to. Perhaps you can use me sometime. Well, uh... That's what I had in mind. Well, where <laughs> shall I change? Oh, in there? That is as good a place as any. Very well. I'll be right out. Yeah, I can hardly wait. Now, Svengali has kind of gone through these people's apartment and uh, taken some things like their wallet and stuff. And so Gecko comes running back going, and he knows it. And he's going, come on, they're coming back. So you got to get out of here. Coming, Maestro. The and the Taffy. They're across the street. You always arrive just in time. But there is a mob coming here that'll make a fool of you. <laughs> just as I am about to enjoy myself artistically, 
there is that face. Oh, Maestro, come, please. Oh, please, come. about your voice. Oh, that's a good one. Well, you tell me next I want Ah, you don't understand. I look for you everywhere today. I want to do There is no trilby. Where you been, huh? Oh, I had one of my funny headaches and didn't work all day. Headaches? Yes, but don't tell anyone. They'd send me home. Ah, poor Liebchen. Oh, it's nothing. It'll go away like it always does. Possibly. I can take it away for you right now. Oh. <laughs> I mean it. It is so easy. <laughs> Sit down, I show you. Can you really take the pain away? Yeah, now. Now you sit there quietly and do just as I tell you, huh? Now, you look. You look at pretty Svengali. <laughs> Looking at you is a funny way to cure my headache, Svengali. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> now, don't be afraid. Look me right in the eyes, Liebchen. Right in the eyes. If you can really cure my head. shall see nothing, hear nothing, dream of nothing, but Svengali, Svengali, Svengali. 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 Bengali. Yeah. That is right, Leech. Now sleep. Sleep. Now this is really creepy because once Trilby goes under, the first thing that Bengali does is have her open her mouth so he can look at the roof of her mouth because he's obsessed with uh, uh, singing. <laughs> open your mouth, Liebchen. 
wide. I was right. A soundboard like an angel. The roof of her mouth is like the dome of the Pantheon. The headache leaves him. He go away. What's happening there? Madam Truby, what have you done to her? Truby, Truby, wake her up. Are you asleep, Truby? No. Then open your eyes and say you're all right. Can you open your eyes, Truby? No. He's hypnotized her. Bring her out of it at once. At once, do you hear me? Can you hear me, Trilby? Yes. <laughs> then open your eyes. <laughs> Why, what's happened? Are you all right? Why, yes. My headache's gone. How on earth did you do it? I told you, it is so easy. Now, <laughs> reaches down to his side in pain. What's the matter? Huh? Your headache is here in my heart. Oh, I'm sorry. Ah, it's nothing. <laughs> I will keep it as a souvenir. You want the pain in your heart? Come on, come on. Come on, on gentlemen, no violence. No violence. And no dinner. What did he do? He hypnotized you. Hey, and don't you ever let him do it again. Those fellas can make you do anything and say anything you want. Lie, steal, anything. And then they make you kill yourself when they're done with you. Hey, they do that. But he took my pain away. Well, I'd rather have the pain than have it cured like that. Trilby, don't forget what I told you about the headache. Gentlemen. It uh, might be as well to remember. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Okay, I'm going to play one last scene of Sven Valley, and this is basically Sven Valley's all sitting in his room, and he's going to go into a hypnotic trance, and from a close-up of his face with his eyes rolling in the back of his head, we're going to go through the city of Paris to uh, Trilby's room where she will be uh, under his hypnotic spell. She walks through the terrible weather to go to Sven Gali's apartment because <laughs> she's under his spell. <laughs> wow. Come in, my dear. I... I'm sorry to trouble you. I shouldn't have come at this hour. Oh, it is no trouble at all. It is never too late to trouble Spengali. I thought 
I had to come. But I... I think... I think I better go now. Come in, my dear child. It's cold down here.
sure appreciate it, Tim, and I may know what they're doing. <laughs> you do, Grandma. Ooh, all right, now she's doing a Charleston. Okay, all right. She says these are what the dances that they did in the 20s and the 30s. All right, we got to get moving on to the next movie. This is from 1934, and this is called Maniac. And it's uh, written and directed uh, by a husband and wife team. Okay, now the director is Dwayne Esper, and his wife wrote it, and her name's Hildegard Esper. And it says it's based on the uh, stories by Edgar Allan Poe, but... And you'll see there's a little of the black cat, and there's a little bit of the mur murders on the Rue Morgue, and there's a little of the telltale heart all kind of woven in here, people being haunted by eyeballs, and uh, uh, a black cat that what gets his eyes plucked, one of his eyes plucked out, and a body being walled up into a basement wall. <laughs> we got it all here on Maniac. Okay, so the last movie we would know we watched there, Svengali, that was Warner Brothers, so that's a big studio Hollywood movie, and we're still in Hollywood here, and we're still in the 30s, but we ain't had a big studio not by a long shot. Okay, so uh, let's get on to Dwayne Esper. Now, Dwayne Esper, he started off in the movies as he used to be a sound operator. Well, he was a sound, he had a sound truck. See, this is back in the late 20s and early 30s when the sound equipment took up quite a lot of room, so yeah, I've seen pictures of this stuff, and uh, he did uh, on-location sound, so he had to cart it all around in these trucks and the booms and what everything he's got going. almost looks like uh, light artillery from the Army. So he got his film experience uh, making these, uh, uh, doing on-location sound recording, and then for some sort of business deal, he acquired a film processing lab so he could do his own sound and process his own films. So Dwayne Esper and his wife Hildegard started making movies together right in central Hollywood, even though they weren't at all part of the... Uh, the major studio, uh, they weren't in that world at all. So Dwayne and Hildegard Esper were kind of their own self-contained little uh, filmmaking unit right in the middle of all the big Hollywood studio system. And uh, between the two of them, they made uh, uh, The Seventh Commandment, Narcotic, uh, Maniac, which we're watching right now, and a thing called Marijuana, the weed with roots in hell. Um, and then Dwayne by himself directed uh, something, uh, he could do a thing called How to Undress in Front of Your Husband, which had uh, John Barrymore's fourth wife, Elaine, that I mentioned earlier about the, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde performance. She was in that movie. And then he also did something, uh, um, uh, Dwayne Esper did something in 1948 called Hitler's Strange Love Life. So it's crazy stuff. Now, throughout the Maniac movie, these title cards appear, and this is because we're watching an exploitation movie, and these were not shown at regular movie theaters. These were shown at burlesque houses or oftentimes traveling shows. They were shown in tents, so they were disguised as educational films, so title cards will come up and I'll say uh, a paranoia, and then it'll give a clinical description of what paranoia is, but this was just so they could get away with uh, showing an educational film, but make no mistake about it. The Maniac is a horror movie. We'll see. Now, this plot is like a car that's out of control. You don't have no steering wheel. It just goes anywhere, everywhere. But you know what? That's what makes it really great. Because just when you have a grasp on what you think,
think's going on. Another curveball gets thrown your way, and and the next thing you know, it's 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 out of control. Let's start off. So we have we have Dr. Meyer Schultz, who's sort of a modern day Franken Dr. Frankenstein, and he's living in a bungalow in Los Angeles in the probably Hollywood, and he's doing experiments in his lab there. And he has an assistant with him who is a wanted by the police, um, out of work vaudevillian stage actor. So our scene opens up, and the and the Dr. Meyer Schultz is telling his assistant, "I want you to use your acting abilities to give me a body to experiment." So here we go. How many times have you told me of your impersonations? That you never had a chance. Maybe your art will serve you after all. You have seen the coroner? Why not impersonate him? No. That's it! No. Impersonate him! The time has come when you can repay me for what I have done. Okay, now the doctor, the mad doctor, his name is Dr. Meyer Schultz, and he's played by a fella named Horace B. Carpenter, whose career goes back to the silent days in the teens. And this guy is in 343 movies he has listed, and that's 15 of them as, he's, as a director in the 1920s, and all these things are, are westerns. So, uh, 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 Dwayne Esper got all his talent uh, that he was using from all westerns, and because uh, uh, the assistant uh, uh, Don Maxwell, that's played by a guy named William Woods, who's also just all good, mostly done all uh, westerns. Now the camera operator on this, wow! Check this out, William C. Thompson. William C. Thompson. He was a cinema. He was a cinematographer for Ed Wood's movies. He did Plan Nine from Out space. He did The Violent Years. He did Bride of the Monster. He did Glenn or Glenda. <laughs> he just did a lot of really just incredible movies. Uh, he also did The Astounding She-Monster in 1957. He did The Sinister Urge in 1960. And he started going back to the teens. He's even got some weird stuff in there called like The Demon from 1980. So, wow, well, we just got an incredible ensemble of people here. Okay, now, let's go, and the mad doctor and his assistant are going to sneak. He's going to dress up like the corner, and they're going to sneak down to the, to the morgue and uh, uh, experiment on a body. <laughs> File number 26941. Maria Altura, 24, suicide. Carbon monoxide gas, not claimed. Perfect, but we'll have to work fast. Unlock the side door and back up the cart, but watch out for the guard, and as soon as he's out of the way, we'll take her out of here. So they put this huge needle into this girl's shoulder who's dead in the morgue, and they revive her, and this is just like uh, something out of H.P. Lovecraft. It's just like that movie, The Reanimator. She opens her eyes. So they sneak her out of the morgue, and they take her back to the place. And now the doctor, he wants another body. So he starts asking the guy, you gotta go get me another body, just in case you didn't think we had enough already. The thing is, you just hold on to your seats. That's gonna get even weirder. 
cases like this has the element of doubt. What I want is a victim with a shattered heart. Yes, a heart that I can replace with this beating thing I have forced life back into. <laughs> you will get me such a victim, Maxwell. It will be my supreme accomplishment. <laughs> Not from the morgue. They'll get the species. I don't care where you get it. From the morgue. From the streets. The undertaker. Get one! The end will justify the means. The undertaker. Around the corner. That gangster shot today. Just the thing. So he sneaks down to the Undertaker's, and uh, as he's there, two cats start fighting. Uh, Dwayne Esper has a lot of animals in his movies, like running around fighting each other. It's very strange, but these two cats start fighting, and he gets scared, and he runs, and he comes back to the doctor, and the doctor does not take the news very well, <laughs> to say the least. Coward! <laughs> oh, you fool! You have failed me in the greatest moment of my life! <laughs> so this doctor is just going crazy and, uh, He's going, he's just screaming at his assistant, and he pulls a gun out of a drawer, and he gives him the gun, and he says, I got an idea. You shoot yourself dead, and I will bring you back to life because you know I can. And now the guy knows the doctor's lost his mind. <laughs>
Dr. Meyer Schultz, please. Why, he isn't here. How terrible. It's so very urgent. Will you tell him that Mr. Buckley is having positively alarming hallucinations? Why, he thinks he's the orangutan murderer in Poe's murder of the room morgue. Tell the doctor I must have some definite help. I'll go get him and bring him in. So she goes, gets, gets Buckley, and Buckley's played by a guy named Ted uh, Edwards, who is in a bunch of uh, fatty Arbuckle comedies uh, in the teens and 20s. So the assistant goes to his makeup kit, and he starts dressing up like Dr. Meyer Schultz, and he takes Dr. Meyer Schultz's uh, clothes and his glasses, and so he's going to impersonate him, and hopefully no one will know that Dr. Meyer Schultz is gone. Not only do I look like Meyer Schultz, I am Meyer Schultz. I will be a great man. So the assistant who's dressed like Dr. Meyer Schultz comes back with the woman and the man who's having the hallucinations that he's the orangutan murder from murders on the root morgue. And he decides, I'll just send these people away. I know, I'll inject this guy with some water, which I'll say is a serum, and that'll be a placebo. He won't know, he'll go away. He accidentally injects him with a thing called, with a vial of something called super adrenaline. I'll give him a shot to relieve the nerve tension. May help him. We'll try that first. Take off your coat. There now. You'll feel better. Getting worse instead of better. Stealing through my body, creeping through my veins, pouring in my blood, darts of fire in my brain, stabbing me. Agony! I can't stand this torture, this torment! I can't stand it! I won't! I won't! I won't! So the guy starts falling at the mouth and he, he just jumps up and goes crazy.
real quick. At this time in the movie, the police start getting wind of what's going on. They start going around the neighborhood and they're interviewing some of the neighbors. So I'll just play some of those just to, just to show you that even the neighbors in this movie are really normal. Do you know uh, Dr. Meyer Schultz and his assistant, Don Maxwell? Sure. That's sort of queer, I'd say. There's lots of queer goings on up there. Why, they even brought a dead dog back to life once. Well, that sounds very remarkable to me. It may be, but to my notion, those that monkeys with what they got no business to gets queer sooner or later. Maybe you're right. I know I am. Why, I even heard a shot up there last night. Why didn't you notify the police? That's their business, not mine. Those that monkey what they got no business to gets quicker sooner or later. That, that's the truth. Now the next neighbor is this guy, is this old man who's got this just thousands of cats in his backyard, and they're all kept up in cages. And this guy uh, does cat fur and cat meat. It's very bizarre. How many cats have you? What's the matter, rat? Oh, thousands of them. Right here in my backyard. Thousands? Yeah, I got thousand cats too. Want to see them? What's the idea? You sell them? Oh, uh, no. It's my own idea. I'm in the business. Fur business. Oh, I see cats fur. You'll get it quick. Where do the rats come in? Ah, uh, you ain't as quick as I thought. You see, I figured out that rats breed faster than cats. And cat skins makes good fur. Cats eat rats. And rats eat raw meat. Uh, that is, they eat the carcasses of the cat. So, the rats eat the cats. The cats eat the rats. And I get the skins. Well, rats eating cats, well, that is news. Simple, ain't it? Say, by the way, did you hear a shot last night? Maybe. I don't know. Now, this is uh, what I have as a DVD. It's from Kino Video, and it comes with narcotic on it, so it's a Dwayne Esper collection of both movies. And it's got commentary on it by a fella named Fred Wood, who was a uh, co-author of a book called Forbidden Fruit. Golden Age of Exploitation Film. Now, this DVD is Kino, and it looks real good. Kino does his stuff real nice. Uh, this also has a clip, uh, like a three-minute clip of a movie, an Italian movie called Matisse in Hell. And now, there's a bunch of demons and everything. It's about a guy who goes down into hell to fight demons, and, and Dwayne has produced a bunch of clips in these throughout uh, a Maniac. You'll see these clips of demons in hell. And, uh, well, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, uh, Dwayne Esper's office building that he used during this time is still down there. It's all kind of sewered uh, just south of Santa Monica Boulevard. You can pull up in front of there and hang out in front and just get the whole vibe of, of uh, Dwayne and Hildegard making their movies together. <laughs> Go check it out sometimes. All right, we're going to play some more, a uh, couple records here, and then let's get out of here. Oh, I'm so nervous. Ever since I wrote that letter to the Long John Matrimonial Bureau, I've just been sitting on pins and needles, which is the only sharp thing I've sat on in the last six years. I do hope they live up to their name. Oh, goodness, he should be here any minute now. It's almost 2 o'clock. 
I hope this lady isn't like the old bag that used to live here. Every time I'd walk in, she'd say, the Iceman cometh. Well, anyway, here goes. Oh, you're right on time. Do come in. Huh? Oh, <laughs> thanks, lady. Say, you're different from the last one I had to deal with. Oh, you've done this before? Yeah, I had to deliver my stuff to the gal that lived here before you moved in. Well, that's quite a coincidence. I guess now that you're going to deliver your uh, uh, stuff to me, we ought to get acquainted. Oh, I don't think that's necessary. I take care of 20 women a day, and I don't know them very well. Well, goodness, you must get awfully tired. Well, how would you feel if you had to sling a heavy load all day? That must be pretty hard to handle. Well, it's not so bad if you learn to throw it over your shoulder. Throw it over your shoulder? Sure, it's easy if you have a good, hard prong. Yes, I guess that would be necessary. Yeah, you can't do without it when you have to break the ice. Well, do you think you'd like to break my ice for me? Why, sure, lady. If you think your box is too small to take it all at once. Well, I don't know. I've never done anything like this before. I don't know how mine will compare with the others you've worked on. Well, I had a hell of a time with the last one. Why? What happened? Well, as I walked in, she was waiting for me with her box already. Naturally, I was grateful to her, so I decided to do the best job for her I could. So I got a good grip on my prong and got ready to unload. Just as I was easing my load into her box, wham, she closed it up on me and damn near broke my prong into 20 pieces. Heavens, that must have been awfully painful. Mm, wasn't too bad. I just patched it up, finished the job, and it was as good as new. Oh, what a man. <laughs> it was nothing, lady. I'd just take it in my stride. Why, if you'd worked with as many boxes as I have, you'd know what I mean. Well, I, I hardly think that I can do the type of work that you do. Well, of course not. <laughs> you don't have it to take. <laughs> no, I guess not. Well, lady, now, how large a load do you think you could take today? Well, I don't know too much about these things. First of all, ma'am, uh, do you have the proper drainage? Well, the usual, once a month. Hell, lady, once a month. That should happen every day. It should only happen to you. Well, lady, if your box only drains once a month, now how in the hell can you stand the odor? Well, young man, I, I think I'm perfectly capable of taking care of my own box. Well, hell, I don't give a damn, but if you were smart, you'd let me stick my head in and take a look. Stick your head in? Well, I think you'd better leave. Well, that's okay with me, lady. I probably couldn't stand the odor anyway. And besides, Mrs. Hotbutt is waiting for me next door. Stand the odor. Well, I never. How do you do? I'm Mr. Longpool from the Long John Matrimonial Bureau. Well, if you're from the Long John Matrimonial Bureau, then who are you, young man? Well, who the hell do you think I am? I'm your new wife, ma'am. Oh, good gosh. She's fainted. It's here, the most fearless portrayals ever presented on the motion picture screen. The wondrous story of birth. You will witness the birth of five babies before your very eyes, including the actual birth of triplets. You may faint, but you will never forget the wondrous story of birth. Next Saturday night at 11.15 for another action-packed thriller on Shock.